Motherhood, a beautiful nightmare, acknowledges the Ghana people as the traditional custodians of the land and water on which this podcast is recorded and produced. Welcome to season eight of Motherhood, a beautiful nightmare. It's the podcast for the mother who is flying by the seat of her Subaru Outback. Yeah, she is. Because that's what I'm flying by, lady, (laughs) with my Subi (laughs) in the Outback. Never in the Outback. That bloody car has never been in the Outback. It goes to the school pickup and it comes to the studio, lady. Oh, no, it doesn't. It also goes to Coles. Stop that right now. (laughs) Totally. Yeah, we've moved from pants and um, items of clothing, primarily because we've run out of them. (laughs) Well, there is more, but we got a bit bored with it. So now we're flying. But you get any car suggestions? Let us know. Oh, yeah. Well, let's hear your best car suggestions. It's awesome. Uh, This podcast is hosted by myself, Tamara Linky, and the lovely Chanel Franklin. Hello. It's so good to be back. It's so fun. Season eight. I have good feelings about season eight. We're going to change a few things up. Yeah, we are. It's it's super exciting. But we also have a brilliant first episode. You're going to love this one. We speak to the wonderfully sassy, uh, she's a comedian, she's an actor. What else is she? So given the fact she's a a comedian means she's funny as all hell. Yeah, she is. She's wicked. And she's a mama. And she's a mum. Yes, she's got a head in the nappy bucket at the moment, or she has for the last few years. And she she talks about postnatal depression. What else do we chat about? Oh, everything, what it's like in the comedy scene. Also, how you juggle uh, a career and being a mum at the same time. We are chatting to none other than the wonderful, award-winning Australian comedian who is living in London currently, Felicity Ward. Okay now, from the beginning. Motherhood, a beautiful nightmare. going this morning anyway. Hi. Hi. Nice to see you again. It's lovely to see you again. I'm so glad we actually got this done. Daylight Savings I think has actually helped over here anyway. You were at Elton John last night, weren't you? Mate, if I'm not settling into boomer life, I don't know who is. I've (laughs) moved to the suburbs. I went to see Elton John. I got free tickets to be fair. I I have not paid to see Elton John and yet I've seen him twice. So I've, I've, yeah. Amazing. He's so incredible. Was he rocketing away there? He was rocketing away. Rocket man. I saw him 10 years ago at a music festival um, and I forgot that he did this thing which is so showbiz and so funny and so old school. At the end of every song, he stands up and like walks in front of his like in front of his piano and points out at different parts of the crowd and says, thank you. Oh, yeah. Come on. And everyone stands up and gives him a standing ovation at the end of every song because he's standing up. It is so funny. Every song. What? Why? That's that's crazy. Oh, he's trained them to do that. He's trained yeah. them. Yeah. Well, that's, that's how he gets his energy, king. I suppose. And then, like, if he's had a really good song, he'll slam the top of the piano. He's like, yeah, <laughs> come on. Do you think maybe he's just got a bulge disc and he needs to stretch and that's his kind of way of, you know. It crossed my mind several times. Elton John looks like your lesbian nan who was dressed up to go and see Elton John. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's amazing. He's got a very sensible haircut, big glasses. It's just, I loved yeah. it. Yeah, he does have that bowl. Now, oh. was it recently that he in a, was in Australia and Molly Meldrum got up on the stage and he got up his old mate Molly, as yeah, they Molly. all do, and Molly Meldrum pulled his pants down? <laughs> like, I think there was some controversy. <laughs> I may have made that up or embellished. Uh, it wouldn't, but that sounds like a Molly story. <laughs> I feel like that that's true. Like so, very on brand. Yes, that's right. I, I so. doubt that that's the first time. No. Also, they were both old queens before that. They had to come out in the middle of their career, you know. Yeah. And, like, Molly was, even though he was fabulous, I think there was a long time before he actually came out out. There was lots of innuendo made on Hey, Hey, It's Saturday about it, but it wasn't – he didn't overtly say, I am gay, you know what I mean? Mm. Yes, exactly. So there there might be an old sort of – camaraderie and solidarity in that we had to we had to be closeted for a long time together and we've been in the music industry for so long probably that pulling your pants down is absolutely fine that's right them. it's the residual <laughs> kind of repression yeah, coming out exactly and, and here exactly. i am i'm going from zero to hero here's my yep bum. and <laughs> you're gonna cop it yeah right because i'm eye. not illegal anymore <laughs> who i love is not illegal anymore <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my God, that is lady. So good. We wanted to just sort of um, reminisce with you a little bit as to when we first met you, which was very exciting for us. It was at a, great. At a gig um, last year. Was it last year? It, uh, yeah, last year in Sydney. In Sydney. Uh, mm. I think I thought, Felicity, you look like you're not interested in what we're saying, but I realised you were frozen. And it was on yes. resting bitch face like this, like, as if, like, um, are we, is this what we're going to talk about? <laughs> really? You? Okay. All right. No, no, no. no. You're wasting my time, but fine. (laughs) It's not about us. Because we wanted wanted to say... I'm just going to... I'm going to freeze like this now. Okay. That's better. I'm just going to smile the whole interview in case it freezes Smiles. again. No, no. Yeah. No, we wanted to commend you because what we noticed is we kind of usually get a little bit anxious before a gig and we don't usually eat because we just can't stomach anything. The and there you were hoeing in to this burger. You're like, mate, I'm having this burger. And you're eating and you're like, yeah. you know, going through your notes and whatever. And we were like, wow. And so we kind of learned a good lesson from you, didn't yes, we? Yes, we did. Yeah. To eat. To eat. And at, very, at the very least to order something and eat it later because when we decided it was time to eat they'd closed off all the food and nothing was free no more and we had to eat in that french restaurant it was freaking expensive (laughs) so you get a discount no no. (laughs) bastards we were absolute bastards should have done what felicity did order the burger and eat it later yeah. Yeah, always order the burger. I mean, order the burger if you're not going to eat the burger. Just have it there, mentally yes, knowing that's what that if you need to eat. So before I had my son, I was like, I can't eat within two hours of going on stage and my body is, at, you know, it's it's an instrument and now I'm like licking my fingers and they're like, welcome <laughs> to the stage. I'm like, hang on, here we go. Just because I, you're I so just, old hat at it, wouldn't you say? Like you're just so comfortable in it that you're probably not. Would you say you don't get I anxious I think once anymore? you've passed a child out of your own body, some things change, like priorities. Yeah. I'm like, if I'm hungry, I've got to eat. If I burp on stage, that's disgusting but also not my problem. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't so have to smell it. <laughs> yeah, like you get a burp it's left now. Me, I'm really it's sorry. Yours. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a, a combination between antidepressants and childbirth that have created within me um, an Inability. What's the swearing policy on this podcast? Go swear away. 
the inability to give a fuck what the audience think anymore. I, I mean, obviously I still care about them and I don't like having bad gigs and I want to give them the best gig that I can. And I'm aware of when I'm being self-conscious, but before being medicated and having a baby, I used to go in these like these spirals of anxiety if I had a bad gig. And also I was gigging too much. I was exhausted. I had burnout. I was overworking myself. Um, and so it was like my self-esteem really depended on whether a gig was good or not. And so if it didn't go well, I would just plummet. And then the next time I'd go to a gig, which was the next night, I'd go, oh, I hope this is good because I just, the last one, and then it would just like snowball. So I was just constantly in this state of my, uh, my demeanour and my temperament was entirely dependent on the outcome of a gig, which is just untenable. It's untenable for my nervous system. Can I ask you something? Yeah, yeah. Yes. This is exactly what we do. No, maybe not Tamara. I do it terribly. Mm. My, I get really like down afterwards if something mm. hasn't gone right, don't I? Yeah, yeah. And on myself, I'm not blaming anyone. I'm, I, you, you go into this. Sometimes kind of I blame hole the audience. Of, <laughs> yeah, their fault. No, no, no. Sometimes you, it's them. You can say that. Yeah. But you punish yourself twofold for it. You're either blaming them and punishing yourself and blaming yeah. yourself and punishing yourself. So it's like you, you're hitting yourself over the head twice. Sorry, you're only ever blaming them because you're blaming yourself. Yes. Like under, underneath going, they were terrible. What you're saying is I'm not good enough. I didn't mm. do a good job. Yeah. That's what I'm saying yes. anyway. Yeah, yeah. One thing it just comes after time, like you do just get time on stage, enough time on stage that it, be, it does become easier. When I had Frankie, I had been doing stand-up for 10 years, I think, and I still get nervous sometimes, but I don't get that. I I don't plummet. Even after, Mm. like, I did a a panel show in Australia and I did okay, but I didn't do great and I felt not good afterwards, but it was like then I didn't think about it again. That's Um, right. You've got to let it go. You move that thought on, yeah. Well, I, I, I would love to say you've got, you like, I've got to do this, I've got to move on, I've got to, like, let it go. It's just not that easy. If it was that easy, I would have done it the first time I ever did stand-up and go, well, this doesn't serve me. Let me tell you something. Um, if you get anxiety before you go on stage or when you're on stage, uh, something that I that did happen to me when my anxiety was sky high, I had, like, as a spiritual experience that was so practically useful that I was um, supposed to be hosting the festival club in Melbourne during comedy festival, which is on now. And it was a Friday night. It was a sold out room. It's like four or 500 people and it's the late show. So people are like drunk, excited, rowdy. And I could just feel this anxiety rising. I'm like, I could feel it was a slow panic attack starting And I was backstage, I'm like, oh no, like I'm hosting, what am I going to do? And I went up to a friend of mine who also has anxiety and I'm like, I'm going to be okay, aren't I? And she was like, yeah, yeah, you're going to be fine. And it still kept getting worse and worse. And then this thought came, yeah, I know. I'm getting anxiety fucking listening to you. But it's okay, continue. Yeah, because it's the nightmare. And then this thought came to me that was just, I am not my body. So it was happening to my body. Mm. It wasn't actually happening to my mind, it was happening to my body. And so I said to my anxiety, I'm going to go on stage. I'm going to take my body on stage. If you want to come with me, you are more than welcome to join me, but I'm not staying here. I'm going on stage. So 
if you want to have a panic attack, come with me on stage, but that's where I'm going. And it went. Mm. Disassociated. And I did that about, I've, I've used it like 10 times. And my anxiety went, oh, oh, I'm welcome here. Oh, okay, I don't want to be here then. It's the fighting my anxiety where I'm going, oh, no, it's coming. Oh, no, I'll pretend it's not going on. That's what generates more energy around it. They they do say that, don't they? Like if you disassociate and you label it and you name that anxiety, whatever it might be, then it it does help. Call it out. Yeah, call it out. You put it there. You're here. And inviting it in. Mm -hmm. Like rather than trying to It's normalising it, it, isn't it? Embrace it. It's the same thing, I think, with the inner saboteur. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Where that chimes in, you might not be going on stage. It might just be you driving in a car and you suddenly think to yourself that you're not good enough for something because a thought's crossed your mind or you, mm. you've reread an email that wasn't so great or whatever. I think it's just, oh. you know. Oh, the rereading the, the email. Re-reading the rereading the email. Don't ever reread the email. So, Felicity, did you suffer from anxiety prior to this career choice? Was that something that was part of your life or was or not? I It was, but I didn't know. Ah. Um because I just thought that everyone lived life on a knife edge. Right, okay. I thought that that's how everyone operated and I was a very hyperactive child. I had friends, um, not heaps, but more like in a heavenly creatures, one friend forever (laughs) kind of deal. I love that movie. And (laughs) so do I. It really resonated with me apart from the murder. Um, No spoilers. (laughs) Huge spoiler. Um, I just, I just didn't know. I, I thought I was just a weirdo and that was part of it. And then I remember in my 20s I started to get this feeling of numbness and I used to call it the nothing mm-hmm. and it was like it would just take over me. I, I had a couple of episodes where I tried to I, – self-harm is almost too strong because I – started so once I put a knife to the inside of my leg and pushed it in and went oh that hurts all right self-harm not for me yeah Yeah. uh turns out not for me um but I was I realized now and it seems so math like the equation is sensible I didn't feel anything I wanted to feel anything this would make me feel something Uh, so I didn't I didn't know what these experiences were because uh this was a long time ago I am 42 and even though the 90s seems like, obviously to younger people listening to this, the 90s were the Jurassic period, I get it. But there wasn't conversations about anxiety no. or depression then at all. Um, and my parents, again, obviously had no information about that. So there was they didn't know to look for any symptoms and I didn't articulate any symptoms. Kids were just kids and you had to figure out how to handle mm. that. You yeah, know, that's right. So when I was in my late twenties, uh, I stopped drinking, and then I started stand up like eighteen months later, and then my career took off very quickly, and then I got into a relationship, and all of it combined, mm. and and then I started having panic attacks on stage while I was doing no. stand up, and. That's when I started. That's when I got help for it. That's when I went to see a GP, and then I started seeing a therapist. And then I've been on and off with therapy for years. And then when I had Frankie, I got postnatal depression. Mm. And after about 2015, 2016, I cut my workload back, and my anxiety really, really improved. And I would say, since you know, for four or five years, I haven't had much anxiety, but depression has been more 
um, the soup du jour. <laughs> From one to another. That's right. Swap the witch for the bitch. Mm, <laughs> <laughs> but I've never heard I that expression. You. I like it. Haven't no, you? I want to use it. There you go. Oh, yeah, I like swapping it. seats I'll, on the Titanic. Like, That's the God. other one. Okay, I'll pay yeah. you 20 cents every time I use it. Felicity. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Do you know what though? I think I heard it from someone else. It's some um, motherhood, though. It, especially if you're it, well in any occupation, but in the entertainment industry, sometimes when you're you feel like you're teetering on the edge anyway, you're only as good as your last gig. Sometimes in your mind, maybe not your fans' minds, mm. but it can be trying to uphold that image of yourself all the time. Then you're a mum. It's like the reconciling of two characters in the one vessel. It's really difficult to do. Oh. And that's another thing that I struggled. It's freaking mm. hard, and it's an ongoing thing. It's never really just mastered. Yeah, that's right. To, to retain who you are, Correct. as Felicity Ward, the this and the that, and all of this, and then the mother. Yeah, yeah, and and the expectation that you don't even know that you have of yourself. Yeah, until you have when you have a kid, you're like, oh, I thought I was going to be this mum, and I'm not. Like I had postnatal and I was terrified because all I'd ever wanted was a baby. I I wanted to have a career and then have a a kid and we tried for years and couldn't. I had Frankie in November 2019, four months before the pandemic, and um, I, I didn't cope with the sleep deprivation. I don't know how to ask for help. I didn't want anyone's help. My mother-in-law wanted to help a lot, and I'm like, no, and she's an angel. My mother-in-law is a walking angel. Marry Greek, mate. Marry oh, Greek. <laughs> All the way. Plus the food. That's the main thing I'd be excited about. Oh, don't the food. Oh, no, it's right. really good. But were you in the UK when you had Frankie? Yes. So how was that, not being with your friends and family? That would have been tricky. Yeah. Was it or was it not? It mm. was. Uh, so my mum came over for the birth. And then my sister came over uh, about six weeks later, but I was kind of gone by then. I I just couldn't adjust. I hated waking up. So what I would do is sometimes I'd wait until one o'clock in the morning to go to sleep because then I thought there'd only be one wake up before 5 or 6 a.m. But then what that was doing mm. is I was having four or five hours sleep a day. And if I went to sleep in the day when he slept... Sometimes he would be asleep for 10 minutes. Sometimes he would be asleep for three hours. So I just became so insane with sleep deprivation and I just could, I couldn't get a handle on it. I couldn't get a handle on how to feed myself, how to wash myself, how uh, we had trouble without latch. It was just completely overwhelmed from the get-go and I couldn't believe that was me. Yeah, yeah. I thought I would just have it. Yeah. And I had loads of milk in the beginning, but we didn't get the latch right. Frankie had colic. Oh, that's... And now I don't know if he was just hungry and he had reflux. It is just... It's so you know, much, isn't it? You're saying so many things that... No one tells you. No, they don't. And because everyone's experience is different as well, because as an example... But I mean nurses. Oh, I know. And, and well, it depends on nurse. the nurse. Some nurse will come in and tell you and another one will come in and override what she said because, again, it's personal opinion. But Ollie, my yes. second boy, who's um, four and a half, nearly five, he had colic, he had reflux. Him and I were covered in yep. sick for, for the first eight months. Yep. I still have PTSD from his non-sleeping. Yep. He had bronchiolitis at six or eight weeks. Oof. Um, It was just, I still, and Dan, my other half, still, we just, when I think about the sleep that we didn't have and and the 
sheer insanity I mm. felt like I found myself in. I didn't don't know how I drove a car, how shouldn't I shouldn't have been driving. I don't know. We shouldn't so drive. Should not, we shouldn't dangerous. drive. No. I've got stand up about that. Have you? We shouldn't we shouldn't be allowed to drive. Agreed. Should not. So Agreed. I so I hear you because I, I went through yeah. hell mm. with him. Um and yeah. it started from the day he was born because he was born not breathing. So it was from that and it just oh kept going on, all these things. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. And then, then you get over one thing and then, then they've got a Something cold else. or an ear infection and you are just... Or eczema. Fucking eczema. <laughs> or weird skin yep. things, right? Little <laughs> styes that pop up. That you, yeah. that you, in my case, yeah. go, I'll leave that. That'll take care of itself and then turns into this gigantic thing that even the doctor oh, goes, no. well, Why what's you, that? <laughs> then you worry. You do that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I was trying to be cool, <laughs> but I collected. Oh. Are your, I don't know what your partners are like, but my partner and I have very different um, uh, approaches. I'm a she'll be right and he's a we should get that to the doctor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so that hey, is a constant conversation. That's a good thing. I reckon you need the two. I reckon otherwise if you're both highly anxious and highly, mm. it'll just, it, it, it's, it'll go to the extreme, I reckon, yeah. either way. So I think you've got a good balance because I'm the same with my husband. Mm. Yeah, he's, he's more, mm. well, it depends. So, like unlike that little boil that was on the eye, that I learned my lesson. <laughs> he's, he's still got the eyes, that's the main thing. But yeah, um, my, my husband, like my son had an infected foot the other day from some weird bit of dirt, God knows how. It's, you know, sticking out, Classic, looks pussy. Yeah. I'm like, mm, should take him to the doctor, probably just needs antibiotics. My husband goes, nah, just get some cream for, for it from the chemist. I was like, oh, I don't know if cream. I'd do the cream. Do- <laughs> the I'd soak it in. Do- First, I'd soak it in a bucket of warm water with salt. I was just. That would be my first step. Okay. So well, you're going, yeah. this, doing the steps. See, I head straight for the jugular. I'm like, just take that, get it, yeah, take care of that. <laughs> Penicillin. No, I mean, not with the UK healthcare system. Takes too long yeah, to get a booking. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. Yeah. 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 Mm, lady. But it is, it's crazy. And I just think we, we don't sometimes realise after we've come out of that hole what we were in in that time. Because as you said, no one um, prepares you for that. And even if they do, yeah. you don't believe it until you're in it because you've got this stage of denial that I'll be okay because my friend was okay or I'm my different. sister or my mum, surely. Mm. And then you're in the thick of it. Your hormones are out of play. Um, and you also think that because <sighs> there's so much on breast is best, breastfeeding, breastfeeding, which is great if you can. But if you can't, you are made to feel like you are an absolute failure. And it's horrible. Yep. I remember with Summer, my, one thing I did get right with Ollie was the latch because I learned from Summer, like that my nipples were bleeding with with latching yeah. her. I would cry, but I'm like, I've got to breastfeed because I've been told that that's what I've got to do. And then I'm thinking, yep. is she crying because she's not getting enough milk or is she got – fuck knows what's happening. Because she doesn't – can't communicate. No, nope, and neither could I she can do is point. cry. <laughs> And then no, we cry and it's not all a, over. Oh, it's really hard. So did you ever mm. have that thing where you had a breastfeeding, con- like we, there's a, you know, you go and see a breastfeeding consultant that's part of the NHS and part of the support system over here, which is great. But like you go into a breastfeeding consultant that she's like, okay, can you show me like what your latch is like? And then, you know, Frankie would do like a perfect special, special K. K lips. <laughs> Just, just an angel. I'm like, well, where has this been for six weeks, mate? <laughs> oh, he was putting on a what? show. Takes after his mum. Oh, every time. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. 
<laughs> oh. That sucks. That does suck. I can't get or help not. when you do it perfectly. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> Don't you dare at three in the morning uh. when he's like doing this lazy little, you know. Uh, yeah. Nah. Uh, Just a little uh, Kira Knightley pout. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a gog. Open wide. Uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> a gog. Lovely. A gog. Lovely stuff. Yeah, I love that. That's my favourite word. Or maybe it's her favourite word. Who knows? So Felicity, how did you get out of that? You were in it for so long. Mm. What? How? What? Mm. Did you have a moment? Were there? Is it? Was it people around you? Or how did you pull yourself I had out? Lots of rock bottoms. Lots yeah. of rock bottoms. I. I mean, you want to talk about a beautiful nightmare? I have never been. I've never been asked to audition or never got an audition for an Australian drama in my life. So Frankie is twelve days old. And I get an email from my Australian agent going, I know yeah. this is terrible timing, yep. oh, but, no. and I'm like, what? And it was this Australian production that was coming up and they wanted to, if I would audition for this thing. And I didn't look at it for like a week. And then my agent was like, hey, little nudge on this, absolutely fine if you don't want to do it. And I got my, my mother-in-law came over and like babysat Frankie in the back room and my husband read the other part and we like set up a camera and, you know, sticky taped it to the clothes horse. And (laughs) I, you know, I put makeup on and thought I looked beautiful. And I look back, (laughs) I look like (laughs) a a saggy ghost. I just, (laughs) with a special cape out. With a special cape out. I like my tits look like a pair of slippers that are trying to get away. That was just, there was no bra that could hold me. I was, I had powerful, powerful boobs. You felt good. Um, anyway, I went back and forth and back and forth. And then Christmas Eve, I found out that I got the job, but they wanted me to start three weeks later. Anyway, we got there mid-January and Frankie was nine weeks old and I started two days later. And oh, wow. Chris, my husband, quit his job so he could come and look after Frankie and it was like the best job at the worst time. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong and I mean in a the most traumatic way. Like if you saw what happened to us in a movie, you would think that it was a bit on the nose and that that wouldn't happen. Like we, we landed and someone had stolen our bassinet on the flight uh, our driver didn't turn up. We got to the Airbnb. There was like rotting food in the fridge, grease on the walls. Oh, Only one of the beds were made up. That was during the bushfires. Yeah. Uh, our air conditioning broke. My ex-fiance died. A family member got cancer. Oh, my god! And gosh. then COVID hit and we had to get Jesus. emergency evacuated back to London. And then my agent uh, got made redundant. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was in two months. Right. And that was with a nine-week-old baby who had colic (laughs) and reflux. There's a place called Tresillion House in New South Wales, and it is an extraordinary service, whereas if your baby is having trouble sleeping or I think if the mum is having postnatal or you're having trouble feeding, you can go and stay at this place for four nights for free. Mm -hmm. And they have round-the-clock midwives, uh, a paediatrician comes and looks at the baby. I spoke to a psychologist while I was there. They provide all your food. It's feeling um, very I think safe. The food hands. you pay for. Yeah, and I mean, in if you didn't have postnatal depression, it might have been a better place to stay. But being surrounded by babies that can't sleep was um, initially the worst thing that I could possibly do. Mm. 
but I just needed to go somewhere. And I think if I wasn't working, I would have like checked myself in at a hospital because I just wasn't, I just wasn't coping. Yeah, I just, I just, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys are the same, but something I've always known how to do is work. I always know how to work. Yeah, yeah. And I always I go, well, that. I'll just keep working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I was like filming help. this TV show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, the TV show was a show called Wakefield, which was set in a mental health hospital. Oh, how <laughs> and ironic! I was playing a mental health nurse. And the first episode was about a woman who had postnatal depression. <gasps> so it was just like wow, method. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> Lady. But weirdly, when I was on set, it was like, I don't have a baby I don't need to worry about. I could just block it out. I could pretend it wasn't happening. And my poor husband had no support, no family around, in a foreign country, just looking after the baby around the clock. It was... Wow. um Intense. I started seeing another psychologist while I was in Australia and then I started antidepressants and... My God, I wish I had started them a long time ago. But I've had depression on and off since I was 25. I still have a lot of ego around antidepressants. Mm-hmm. I thought they were... There's a stigma, right? I thought I yeah. could just do it. And yeah. you know what? It's a generational thing. I think our, our mothers and fathers too, um, look, if they were going through a tough time and we suggested maybe go see a psychologist or whatever to that generation, it, the stigma is if you go and see a psychologist... You're nuts. There's something wrong with you. Yeah, you yeah. can't cope. Rather than using, you know, because if you've got a sore knee, you're going to go and get it looked at because you can decompartmentalize. Mm. It's a knee. It's got a, a torn ligament. Go get it sorted. Whatever. It's a function. It, yeah. It's a function. But with the mind, they can't understand it. And there's still so much. We're getting better at it, but there's still a lot of stigma that comes from the generation yeah. behind us that carries in that because it's what they did with patients that suffered mental illness. They couldn't understand it and they just shoved them all in together. And that still yeah. carries on a bit, that darkness, you know? Yeah, and it's it's like medication is the next step. Like I've, I haven't had a problem with therapy. I've been in and out since I was 25, 26. I, honestly, I, I wish drugs had been pushed on me. I think one doctor asked if I was interested in antidepressants and I said no, but not at any point has any GP said, I would lovingly suggest antidepressants. Um, yeah, well. Except for this last GP who was incredible, who I saw in Sydney. And, I mean, she was just... <laughs> this happened the first time. Sorry, I don't know if you can hear the dog next door. Um, oh, it's an English when dog. When I first got... Oh, sweet. Woof, woof. You can hear it, can't you? Yeah, yeah. He's like, woof. <laughs> no, no, no. I want my biscuits. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I've moved to the suburbs, mate. Oh, I love big shopping centres because I'm from the Central Coast and we, you know, they, that's what you did when you were a kid when there was nothing else to do. When it was rainy, you'd just go to Air and Affair mm. and you just walk around, you go shopping, you do that on the weekend when you were like a tween or a teen before you could go anywhere else and do something. So I still get great comfort going to a very big supermarket and there's a very big supermarket where I live and I heard in the car park, I'm like, oh, I've definitely moved to the suburbs. This woman went... Did you hear that Kim, Kim Kardashian was at the Arsenal game the other day? And I was like, I've moved to the suburbs, baby. Yes, please. <laughs> Love it. Love. Talking about celebrities, a football game at a soccer game. Yes, yes. please. In the middle of Tesco. In the car park yeah, of a yeah, super. Yeah. It was. It was at a super Tesco, an extra. Oh, Tesco extra. Look at you. Oh. Oh On a sidebar, um, Felicity, apart from looking in the mirror and seeing a celebrity every morning, do you see any <laughs> celebrities? Do you see any other famous people around? Have you seen anyone exciting where you've gone, oh, it's Kylie Minogue? I've met Emma Thompson. 
Oh, and that was no. So there's a podcast called The Guilty Feminist. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I co-host that sometimes. And years ago, they did a big show at the Palladium, which is this massive theatre right in Soho. And uh, anyway, Deb, who hosts the podcast, knows Emma. Shut and up. Emma came along backstage and Deb goes, do you want to go and say something? So nobody in the audience knew. And Deb comes out and it's like a, it's an anniversary special. So there's, you know, 30 people on the bill or whatever. Oh my God, it's the, and we're having the time of our lives. Oh, I love this. And then Deb goes, um, we've got a special guest. Uh, maybe Deb's worked with her daughter or something. And she gives her a bit of an intro and she goes, so I'd like you to welcome to the stage Emma Thompson. And everyone just about, like, jumps on their seat. It's like Oprah Winfrey has just said everyone gets a car. Everyone <laughs> oh. loses their mind. Amazing. And then Emma comes out and she's like, I wanted to do stand-up when I was a kid, like when I was a young woman and there were no spaces like this for me and so I got into sketch and I got into acting because I just, there were, no one had created this mm. and you have no idea how special this space is and it was like everyone was like, And then there was like an after party and she was there and then we sat on the floor of this fancy private members club and me and Emma Thompson, she was like, you're so amazing. I'm like, oh, Oh my God, shooting the breeze. Just chatting with Emma Thompson, just talking about like feminism and comedy. Now, I find sometimes... Okay, not that I've met heaps of famous people, but there are some famous people that you see, you think, man, I could sit down and just chat with them. It wouldn't be a big deal. You feel like they're, they're kind yeah. of down to earth. But there's some you can clock and you think, you know, I wouldn't be able to chat to them. I'd just freeze. It would be weird. I'd say yeah. a weird thing. Is she someone yeah, who's yeah, a bit yeah. more down to earth? You could probably just, you know. Oh, you just she's chatting. a next door neighbour. Yeah, that's okay. the best. She's got Celeste Barber energy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Celeste is also a coastie, so I can... props to her. As soon as I met Celeste, I knew her. You know what I mean. I'm yeah. gonna say Emma Thompson. There's there's a reel going on um, Instagram at the moment, and she's literally being interviewed, but she's almost yelling where she's saying, "I know we should dedicate our entire lives to being absolutely fascinated by what we look like. Let's spend every dollar we have." And she's pulling her hair out, more or less making us aware yeah. of how fixated we are on our thoughts, on our money, on our energy, how much we put into what we physically look like. It's the capitalism of patriarchy. Yeah. Sorry to be a boring, a boring person, but it is. It's the you know, it's how we capitalize on our mm-hmm. fears mm. of. And I don't mean men. I mean patriarchy, the system that upholds, uh, you know, male success rather than female success because we need to worry about what yes. we look like and that's very important. That's that's our currency that we need to maintain. Yeah, that's why we need more dicks like us on Instagram doing weird-ass shit. Yeah. You know. There's another dick right in front of us, Felicity. Yeah. <laughs> G'day, mate. You know, who G'day, looking mate. like trash, don't care, who cares? Who cares? I don't know. All right, mate. No need. No need to go so hard. Okay, Felicity. So what I look like. I mean, it's ten o'clock in the morning here. Right. I woke up. I put on a double denim, and I got behind a microphone. And well, we can only see half. Sorry, I didn't wear makeup to a podcast. Well, maybe next time you should just check yourself, Felicity. Okay, just saying. Podcasts are the new. Why don't you check thing? yourself before you wreck yourself? 
<laughs> I can't think of a queen and I'm damn it. She's got all the ones. <laughs> she does. Like the Titanic with the sitting and the squatting yeah. and the bitch, whatever that is. Oh, from later. bitch to witch. That is yeah, fantastic. That is good. Don't no. swatch the – don't swap the – that's what they say if you give up <laughs> drinking but you start smoking weed. Don't swap the witch for the exactly. bitch. Exactly. Yeah. Like paying Peter to give back to – what's that one? Robbing Peter to pay exactly. Paul, what she said. Mm. There, there it is. is. I'm going to use that one yeah. next time. I've never used that in a sentence, but you thank should. you. <laughs> Start using it. I should. No, it's a good one. I just forget it. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you what, between baby brain and antidepressants, my memory, I had a funeral for my memory. <laughs> it was like. It gets worse. I gave it a Hawaiian sea ceremony. I stuck it yeah. on a surfboard. I surrounded it with burning flowers and went, you've been good. Thanks that for the That does not get better. And someone the, said the jumble it would, of words, it no. isn't it? That's our, f- our favourite thing. Because we, oh. we remember when, when you did your gig that we hosted and we were stood kind of side stage in this Awkwardly tiny little... in a like 30 centimetre by 30 centimetre square. We were, we were nose to nose yeah. just laughing and listening to you and you said about how you couldn't remember the, the words and the terms of things and you're oh, going, yeah. you know, that place where, you know, that people go to die, that place, that place, the, 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 a death garden. That was awesome. Death garden, yeah. Yep. They have gone. Not for no, me. They're not no, for me they're anymore. overrated, aren't they? They are overrated when you could just point... <laughs> You know, like there. a cave woman. That one. Yeah. You know the. You know that one. The. And Thingo's the not thing. given enough credit for what a good word that is for Thingo everything. Thingo does a lot of help. Thingo. A lot of heavy lifting in this house. <laughs> Can you pass me the Thingo? Yeah. No, not. I actually, that. don't say Thingo as much as I used to. Bring it back. You're being all Englishified, aren't you? Anglified. I know. Well, I've been here for 10 years and then I was on a podcast last week and do you know what I said? I'm so sorry. I said yogurt. What? How dare you? I didn't say yogurt. Did you put vitamins with that as well? (laughs) Oh, I know. I was was centimetres away from vitamins. Yeah. And the courgette and the aubergine. Oh, no, it's happened. Well, I say courgette and aubergine because no one knows what I'm saying when I say zucchini and eggplant. That's like I can be. I'm bilingual with that. I can swap back and forth, um, and often when I've said yogurt, people think I'm saying yoga. What's so what's occasionally <laughs> I've said yogurt. I've said yogurt intentionally so they know what I'm saying. Is yoga but an actual thing? That was the first accidental no. time. No yeah. yoga. The oh yoga. yoga. Yeah. Oh, I didn't like even the spiritual th- practice. Oh, I thought she was saying. Even you don't understand. No, that's uh, what I'm saying. I thought she said yoga. Do. Yoga. Yoga, like it was some yoga. sort of, like it sounds like an incense. <laughs> Downward facing dog, <laughs> yoga, 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 yeah, yoga, sorry. Yeah, okay, go Yoga. On. How do you say oh, yoga? I don't know anymore. Yo- yoga. yoga. No, yoga. Now it's been said to me. Yeah, no, it's me out. Can we stop saying it? I'm getting really hot. Please. It's making me really I know. It's pre-menopause. Jesus. Yeah, well, I thought, I went to my GP and I had to ask her, look, things are going haywire. What's happening? Please tell me it's perimenopause. And she goes, oh, you're a bit young for that. And I thought, well, isn't that what? 42 years, isn't that the peri part? And well, she seemed to think no. So I'm thinking I need an answer for what for what's happening. You want to hang your shit why on I, something. Yeah, why are my periods are shit? Why I'm tired all the time? All the things. Mm. Tell me. Give me a reason. Am I iron deficient? Just tell me. Give me a blood test. Something. <laughs> yeah. And? Something. And I don't know yet. What was the, what was the outcome? Oh, I don't know yet. Oh, still I have waiting. to wait for my, peri- my third day of my next period to have the test, <laughs> to have the plug and blood test. Oh, Jesus. Uh, don't you hate that? You're like, can't you just do it I'm now, like, boring. Please. I'm here. Let's just, come on, take it. I'm, I, I'm so, I won't be available on the third day of my <laughs> period. I know, I'm like, and so I'm, okay? I, yes. 
I'm anxiety busy. around that time. I won't be able to function and do anything and for like another 20 days. And then you find out it's a fasting <laughs> blood test it and is. then you're really fucked because yeah, you've is. eaten something. <laughs> oh, I've never had one of those and that's not – I have no interest in a fast. I don't – for surgeries or anything like that. Might do you be know that. what? I watched this Netflix documentary. I like Netflix. And it was about <laughs> – it was called Unwell and it was talking about the billion-dollar wellness industry but one of the episodes was on fasting and the, how these people oh. fa- go to these kind of retreats. Intermittent fasting? Nope. No. They no. fast for 30 days with nothing but water. And they say it cleanses mm-hmm. their body of all these different things. It has reduced the size of tumours. It has done all these things. It's given them a reset. But I don't know how I'd cope. I think my body would eat itself. Well, I tried that intermittent fasting. Yeah. It's no, It wasn't for me. I tried it for a week. I'm not sure if you're meant to wait longer, but I just I I'd started eating angry. more things in the window of time. You know, like you're meant to eat within a mm. five-hour window, but then I just ate more because I was scared. <laughs> <laughs> Here is the thing. I have been a size six uh, until I wa- until I had Frankie. And so I have the mentality of a much thinner person. So from the age 26 to 39, I've been a size six. I've always been underweight. I've never been able to put weight on. I would eat and eat and eat and I had IBS and I had anxiety, so everything would just go through me. And then I had a baby and went from an extra small to an extra large, but I still have the mentality of someone who is underweight. Mm. So I never, unless I catch myself in the mirror, I never think, oh, don't eat that. I look at myself and go, oh, you're bigger. And I, you know, I have internalized fat phobia, which is a real shame. You've Um, never had to be in your mind. You've never had to be that person who's, oh, I better lose weight, better have a diet. You know, you've no, I've been brainwashed to think that I'm the ideal size. Sometimes, when when I'm not looking at myself, I have the confidence that I used to have, but then when I catch myself, I'm like, oh, those clothes don't look how I want them to look on my body, Mm -hmm. and not that an extra large is an average size. Like, if you look at the size of women, it's an average size. I'm a size 14. It's about average. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I still, when I look at myself from certain angles, I go, I feel sad and I hate that. I hate that I've made the best person I've ever met in my life. Like my son is literally my favourite person. I'm a creepy mum. I know that. But there's no one else that I would want to spend time with. If I had to pick one person, it would be him. I love him so much. And I can't believe how magical and incredible childbirth Mm. is and how much more respect I have for our bodies for being able to do that and how underwhelmed we are as society for what it actually means to do it. And yet I can still harbour negative feelings towards this incredible vessel that did the most punk amazing thing that I will ever do. It's the the coolest thing I've yep. ever done is childbirth. Obviously you identify that because we we're talking about before about identifying anxiety or or you know insecurities and things like that. And we were talking before about owning that thought so that basically um you kind of embrace it. Embrace is that it. What you mean? Yeah. Mm. Are you doing that yet to feel better about I'm it? I'm not yeah. there yet. Okay. I I would love to say that I am. I've learned to dress this body that I have now. I when I first started to buy new clothes because I had to buy an entire new yeah. wardrobe because nothing that I had fit me. And so I'd buy something and I only knew how to dress a size 6 body 
and I had a size 14 body and I'd buy something and go, well, this looks terrible because I didn't know how to have a tummy. I've always had massive hips and big tits, so (laughs) they just got bigger. Um, I've got bigger thighs, which I like. I still don't have a bum, which sucks. I've still got a flat old ironing board at the back. It's such a shame. I've got a, I've got a flat bum too, but you know the problem with that because I see it in my mum and my grandmother because we've got the same butt. No butt, but then it spreads like a pancake. So it doesn't get bigger out this way. It just mm. tends to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have hips. Like lava. I mm. have big hips, but a flat bum. Mm. I really like my body and I find myself saying if my stomach was smaller and that's like, but that's the thing so that made hard. the baby. Yeah, yeah. That's 100%. the thing that made him. Yeah. You're not a, how can you I feel know, like that? I know you're not alone in that. I think a lot of like a very high percentage of women feel like that because, I mean, I would say the same thing. Rationally, I know. Tamara, reward, you know, your body, this is a good thing. Look what it's done. And yeah. I'll say that to myself in the mirror and be like, don't, yeah. you know, hate on yep. yourself with, you know, this little wobble bit or that bit that built kids and I know that rationally but then something overrides it and goes well you still look a bit shit in that don't you or that bit's coming out Mm -hmm. my thing's my boobs so I used to have great boobs very perky and since mm. breastfeeding, they went to shit. So they've gone, they're gone, had a funeral, Mosquito they're bites. gone, they are not coming back. Mm. So I've had a number of times where I've actually looked in the mirror and spoke to myself and thought, you're part of me, this Jiminy Cricket's on my shoulder saying, you're a nutter, you're talking to your boobs in the mirror. But another part of me is saying, I need to get this out. I'm looking at them yeah. and feeling sad because... They just Mm. don't look the way they used to. But I'm trying to say, look at the job they did. It is part of who you are now. And I wouldn't change it. Yeah. And but I'm learning I'm learning to love them. But it is something. And I think we've all got something. But it's just part of I think reconciling that old version of ourselves with the new version of ourselves and how we coexist Mm. still being that same person. Mm. I think Instagram filters don't help. Yeah, look, I don't I specifically me, this is not for anyone else. I don't look at other people's Instagram. I don't I don't get concerned watching other beautiful people on Instagram. That never influences me. I never go, "Oh, look at their body. I don't have a body like that or I need to do that." And I've never presented myself on Instagram like that. I have, you know, I've always done stories when I've just woken up, when I'm going to bed, when I've had terrible days, when I'm wearing makeup. I do some in nice lights. I do a lot in terrible light. That is, I don't know how I have mostly avoided that. I've I've had envy about people's lifestyle and the personalities that I think that they present. Mm. So I, I don't have I don't have Botox. I don't have uh, and I, that's probably pretty clear. Um, the only thing that I do, I got my teeth squared off when I was fifteen. Um, Your skin actually looks that pretty was because my bloody lovely it, from this camera, like couldn't, like an English rose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right up there with yogurt. She must be rubbing yogurt in it. Let me tell you, <laughs> living in a country with no sun does mm. wonders for your skin. And I think one, I would say the English water. It's going to sound crazy. Is softer than Australian water. It's actually it is. really. No, it's not. You don't think I thought Adelaide so? Water. No, 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 no. It, it, we literally oh. have. It's called hard water. We have lime scale on all of our, like our, our taps cho- block up. Oh, maybe maybe this was 20 scale. years ago. My hair doesn't curl. Oh, Jesus. My hair doesn't curl in the okay, UK. Okay, maybe we, we are it's, comparing it to Adelaide water because Adelaide water is, wow, that's something else. That's harsh shit. Oh, you guys are in Adelaide, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. 
Are you going to still talk to her? I always yeah, forget yeah. that. I, I'm losing our oh, connection. <laughs> I was cutting out. Oh. <laughs> we don't really have you. No, I was because I was like, no, we did a gig in Sydney, but I don't uh, think they're from no, Sydney. No, flew over and flew back, and we're absolutely delighted that there was a delay because it means we didn't have to resume responsibilities when we got back. <laughs> exactly. Oh, look at us. We're yeah. such mothers. <laughs> Oh, who the fuck? I am like, yeah, I've just leaned into it. Got her. I just, I know how boring I am. No. Mate, I can talk about <laughs> being a mum, being pregnant, listening to other parents. I can talk about that so much. I can talk about that endlessly. And also, if I didn't have a kid, I, I like, I tell people to go away. I'm like, we're about to launch into something that is <laughs> yeah. so if you're not infinitesimally your boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, save your ears. Go for a walk. Oh. Walk this one off. Look at you. Now I'm the I'm an uncle mum. I don't care. <laughs> You'd love it. Don't care, mate. I will bore you with pictures, videos, <laughs> anecdotes. I can sit what there and need? look at this I'll one. Well, you, you. You're going to hate this next bit, then, oh. Felicity, because we're going to do a little quiz. It's got nothing to do with motherhood. Ooh, okay. Was that a fake little? Ooh, fun. <laughs> uh, I was cheers. excited then. Ah, oh, glitching, glitching. Do you want to do a little quiz with us, a little fun? Well, it's not really a quiz. It's like a we'll just ask you questions and then bang, you're going to answer some. You want quick answers though, quick fire. Well, no, no, you can do whatever you you like. You can go on tangents. You talk your way. You know know what? It's a free for all. Okay. Don't give me permission to go on a tangent because this podcast will never end. No, that's what ours do all the time. It's fine. Look, three hours later. All right, here we go. Uh, what this is an easy one. Well, what's your favourite thing to eat in London that you can't get here in Australia? What do you love? Do you know what? There is a fast food chain, a healthy fast food chain called Pret a Manger. It's just called Pret now. Yeah, and it's all over the UK, and it's just great. You can get like, I mean, lots of the stuff you can get in nearly any cafe in Australia, but right, it's like McDonald's for healthy food. Ooh, so you go in there, yummy. you can get a birch and muesli. You've got there is a, a super salad, and I hate salads, but it's a salmon fillet and it's got chunks of mango, edamame beans, it's got like a little sauce, it's got some lettuce, it's got some rice, and I'm not a healthy person. I love a burger, but if I can get something that I like eating that's good for me, that that works. Wins out. So Brilliant. that is, yeah. And also um, there's no Caribbean restaurants in Australia. No. There's no like no. jerk chicken or there's, oh, we just haven't. jerk chicken. Oh, mate, I love Caribbean food. It's oh, delicious. No, we don't have it. Give me a right. plantain. No. No, yeah. it's just never, we've never had, well, there's never no been any kind of immigration from the Caribbean mm. in any great numbers. Correct. Um, to have the uh, Like with the UK. The, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that the culture just hasn't translated and mm. we're so far away from it. Yeah. Yes. Oh, good. That's that an interesting answer. So, yeah, they're, yeah. they're my two. Yeah, good. Healthy, healthy times. All right. All right. Next one. <laughs> healthy times. All right. Next. We're on. <laughs> Damn, well, I was FM. hoping she would say something like dirty, dirty, some sort of dirty London burger. She's like healthy, healthy. Edamai. No, because you like can that. get dirty London, uh, dirty burgers in anyway, Australia you can, as well. Totally. You can. Oh, nice you can. dirty I burgers, eat burgers too. twice a week, I reckon. <laughs> Do you? I love, love burgers. I fucking love burgers. <laughs> I love them. I fucking dirtiest, love filthiest. Oh, I get so excited talking about burgers. Oh, my God. Motherhood and burgers, the two topics. <laughs> yeah, hit me. I do love fucking burgers. Um, oh, that sounded really wrong. Did it? I like fucking no, burgers. Oh, fucking them. Mm, yeah. That's wrong. Another also thing. not bad. Whole... <laughs> Just tried it with a strap on. Just mind the chilli. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Ooh. no. That is no good. The worst time you've um, bombed on stage. Do you, do you 
remember that where you've had a time where you've gone fucking there hell. There are so I many. Oh my god. Is there anything there you think? There are so oh. many. And, I, and the reason we've asked this question is so many people think it's so easy to get up and no, they realize it's not easy, but to get up and do comedy and people laughing and they seeing you in a really great space in your career now, it's hard to imagine it not going right. So it's oh, almost like I have eaten shit so many times. Everyone has. Every comedian has eaten oh, shit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I be, I think people would actually believe that I've eaten shit. <laughs> I'm sure they've seen me eat shit on television or something. You know, no. like um, I remember doing a gig in Scotland, and I was in the middle of my like anxiety phase of, and I remember not feeling prepared, not really knowing what I was going to say. And feeling anxious before and then going out on stage and it just getting quieter and quieter. And I remember like dissociating from my body and me sort of standing away from my body going, oh, sorry, sorry about this, mate. Good luck. And just watching it just go just so bad. Actually, I had two in Scotland and I love Scottish crowds, but it was just meant one of those gigs, the promoter said... I've never seen you have a bad gig, Felicity. I can't even imagine you bombing. And then I joked and I was like, oh, I'll probably have a bad gig tonight. And it was (gasps) like a small crowd. It was like, and I just ate it. And then the guy who was headlining, he basically did children's songs. So they loved it. There was like call and response. I'm like, where are the jokes? If I had a guitar and did call and response, this isn't comedy. This is a good time. But it's not comedy anyway. Oh, no. We will. And the thing is you have to keep, keep going, going, right? You're on stage and you're talking and it's happening, but you can't. You've got you to got finish. you got to do time. Right. Mm. There's another time in Scotland. I just remember. Oh, no, sorry. We're <laughs> dredging it up. She's going to enjoy this later. No, there's just she... so many. Oh. oh, I had, yeah, I've, I've had shocking gigs. When I first started, I, Heath Franklin, who does Chopper, um, I used to be his tour manager or his, like, production manager, and then when I started doing stand-up, I opened for him. So we would do these, you know, I would be playing to 600 bikers, and when I first started, I was really into, like, 1950s retro clothes and, like, little kitten heels, and so I'd walk out and they'd just, like, who the fuck is this? You know, we're at Penrith RSL, and um, I had this guy stand up 12 minutes into my set and go... No. And I went, what? And he goes, we don't want you. We want <gasps> Chopper. Go backstage oh. and get Chopper. Oh, and I was like, mate, no. I've got two minutes left. I'm going to do a song, then I'm going to go. And he's like, no, I don't, we don't want this. Oh, and so then we just got what louder What is it about louder. comedy, right? What is it that gives you? I'll tell you what it is. The, the, you know what I'm going to say? you're not the a person. Yeah. Yeah, to stand no, up. Because no, no you know what it is? That. What? Because there's no, this is my, uh, this is my grand theme, uh, my grand theme, my grand theory, um, because there is no other art form where you are only supposed to have one reaction. If you go and see a painting, Mm. a movie, a dance piece, you can have a range of emotional reactions and they're all correct because it's about interpreting. Comedy, you just want to laugh. That's all you want to do. Yeah. If you think, if you feel all that other stuff is residual and incidental, yeah. you want to be made to laugh. And if that isn't happening, people feel very angry, very angry. There's they so much and it's, no. it's awful because it's, yeah, it's one of the hardest art forms based on that. 
and what some people find funny is different to what others find funny. But the great mm. thing about this is any bomb that's happened in the past, you've had a, so many incredible gigs where people have thrown flowers at your doll. So it's like it's it's nice to <laughs> not, have had... Not literally. An in, well, it's coming then. Just you <laughs> my, wait. You know, my point is that it's it, you have to... This pendulum has swung the other way many yeah. more times and it has swung that yeah. way. So it's a lovely feeling, but it is, it's character building, let's say that. I have more confidence now. Again, with like motherhood and antidepressants, I... I'm so much more confident with stand-up. Like I and I don't feel unstoppable, but I don't get scared the mm-hmm. way that I used to because I, do, yeah. I think that I'm – I don't necessarily think that I'm going to be the funniest person they've ever seen. That's not how I think. I'm not like oh, – but I know I'm going to have fun. Mm. Yes. And if I'm having fun, that is most of the show. That's what we did. That's all that they need. We did a country show, didn't we? And it was the quietest oh, yes. audience we've ever had. It was weird because I almost got a little bit of energy burst from it because it became like this challenge. And I thought, how crazy can we take it? Because it's so far down, the only way is up, surely. And we actually had a ball, didn't we? We and did. It, and it turned out we got that they drunk were, after too. Yeah, it turned out that they didn't <laughs> hate it. They were just super quiet, right? Yeah. Well, that's what they said. <laughs> but they weren't a, like a crazy audience that was getting into it and, that, you know, almost one of those yeah. scared audience, scared to laugh. And We've know, had some of our later ones where the room's been, our most recent <laughs> one where the room was packed, it was great, and the women were really well-oiled. They'd had a few drinks. <laughs> they were in a good mood. And that was great because the energy they were throwing and the energy we were receiving and throwing back felt really yeah. good. But it's when that energy exchanges one way can be really difficult. You've got to keep... Mm, yeah. Can right. be. You've got to throw that... Exhausting. Yes, yes. So difficult. <laughs> you got to humanise yourself. <laughs> yeah, fucking hard. It is. It's so hard. Oh, tell you what. you got a hard job, Felicity. Um, all right. The best thing about being a mum. When he runs and jumps on me in any capacity, whether it's to like whether we're playing, whether he just wants to hug me, it's just the absolute best. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, oh, what else is the best? Oh, there's so many good things. Yeah, he's so funny. Knowing, knowing that he's funny is unbelievably good. Yes. Like he's just... You know, there's a line in Bluey where the parents are talking about uh, a bit of awning that's falling down and the dad says it's just got character. The other day Frankie did something and I was like, Frankie, did you do this? Like and I was about to get angry and he goes, it's just got character and he's three. (laughs) And I'm like, you are fucking funny. And he knows that he's being funny and he looks at me like, come on. Come on, I'm quoting Banda Healer. I'm all right, Mum. Come on, you know that's good. That's good stuff. You know that I am diffusing the situation with comedy and I know that you love that. I'm like, oh, oh, what a smart young man. You know when He's they smart. laugh? Oh, I'm gone, when, mate. When kids laugh, that hard laugh, oh, when you've made them laugh and they're laughing at oh. something, how good's that? Hand to the belly. When they're oh. dying, yeah. it's like that's the yeah. best. I love that. (laughs) Long cackle. When they're gasping for air. Yeah, literally. My son is very ticklish. And I came up with this thing years ago where I'm like, hmm, I'm the doctor. I've just got to check for any tickyitis. And I check, I'm like, oh, (laughs) terrible case of tickyitis here. And then I check all over and he just loved it. Oh, I loved it more. That's so, yeah. (gasps) Of course you did. That's the good stuff. Do you do do that to your husband too? Get him laughing? 
No, he's ticklish, but he has a slip disc, so it's oh, uh, painful. That's not for so him. funny. Yeah, it's dangerous. No, in other words. if he has to jerk, like to protect his back, this, it does stop being funny quickly. That's difficult living with a comedian. Yeah, you you need yeah. to just check yourself, flick, and not be funny at all. Um, don't try oh, it's very out the material because I'm so talented. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how do you deal with yourself? I don't even know. I just oh. it's, that's why I'm tired. I'm so this... impressed all of the time. <laughs> just so exhausting. I exhaust myself. I exhaust myself. Oh, can you imagine? Like you get a break from me. Lucky you. But oh me. no, oh. I'm with me twenty seven. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know I'm talking like Samantha from Sex in the City. That's weird. <laughs> this is a really difficult last question, by the way. And I don't know if you're going to be able to answer it, but I would really appreciate mm-hmm. it if you gave it a red hot go. Mm-hmm. Who would you rather? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, King Charles or Oof. Camilla? <laughs> Camilla. Don't even have to think about that. Yep. Camilla Excellent. all day long. All you have to long. sleep with them. That's what yeah. we're saying. Long, right? long yeah. sex for yeah. hours. Tantric. Yeah, Camilla. Tantric. Easy. <laughs> Not yeah. even not even a second thought about that. The amount that I hate the monarchy, like from a Republican point of view, yeah, Camilla yeah. is only royalty by marriage. Yes. So that's my starting place. Okay. okay. Secondly, no King Charles. Thirdly, I reckon on a good day, Camilla, you know, she could have a little something-something. She, yeah. She well, might be funny. She'd get creative. Well, I think Charles, I mean, he liked her, obviously. There's something in the bit. You know, she may look a little inane, but, you know, I think there's something underneath. Yeah. It's just a little bit kink yeah. factor. She looks like, you know when you go to uh, to buy a paint for a wall that isn't white, but there's like 900 different shades of like yes. pebble and... Oh, yes, the grey ones. <laughs> Stone. Yeah. Designer Those ones. ones. That's what Camilla is. She's like <laughs> egg eggshell. She's, egg, she's definitely eggshell. <laughs> She yeah. is eggshell. Oh, you've nailed that she, one. She's more ways than one. She's what you put on the snow peas to keep the moths away. Eggshell. <laughs> Did you ever do that? We had a lot of snow peas oh, growing I didn't up. Know that. I didn't know you could put yeah, eggshells. You put, you put eggshells on top of the snow peas. On top and, of? Um, it keeps them. Like a little hat. Like on top of the vines, like on top of the, yeah, on top of the stakes. Yeah, right. If you wrap the vine of the snow pea around. We used to put eggshells because I don't know if oh. moths think there's a, it's a moth Camilla already stay away. <laughs> It's Camilla. They're like, we're Republicans. Wow. I guys, also mean re- Republicans in, the, let me very be very clear. I don't mean Republicans and Democrats. I mean Republicans as in not having a royal head of state. Yes, we understand. Being our yeah. own nation. Yeah. So the future for you and Just Camilla is bright. Um, it's very bright. happy for you and fancy free. Thank you. Fancy free. Mm-hmm. Thank and you your so house, much. beautiful eggshell. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> eggshell wine. Wow. <laughs> eggshell wine. Who has that? Nobody. Camilla and Felicity. That's who. Oh, Jesus. Yes. Actually, Ivory. <laughs> Ivory. <laughs> We've moved into this house six weeks ago, so we've still got like little paint samples everywhere. Yeah. I've I've spent a lot of time on the Dulux app. Oh yeah. The oh, Dulux Visualizer app. This is duck egg blue. <laughs> Just so you know. You probably you might have been. We've got see. some duck egg blue bowls, mate. Well, a snap. Oh, is that what you're saying? You've got d- yeah, duck egg you probably blue can't on the tell. Walls. That's yes. what I mean. I can, you I might, if you now. look to the back yeah. of the studio, it looks a bit purpley. I know yeah, duck egg bl- blue. I know all about it. Yeah, one, yeah. four, three, seven, five, hyphen, X. Yeah, yeah. When you go to Bunnings, that's what you ask for. Hashtag. That's the RGB. Yep, hashtag. Thank you. <laughs> Felicity, thank you so much for coming on Motherhood, thank a Beautiful you. Nightmare. Not at all. Thank you so much for having me. 
Motherhood, A Beautiful Nightmare is produced by Soundball Productions and hosted by Chanel Franklin and Tamara Linky. We would love to hear from you, so please email us on motherhoodabeautifulnightmare at gmail.com or just for kicks, check out our website at motherhoodabeautifulnightmare.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode of Motherhood, A Beautiful Nightmare and can find two minutes in between managing those little nutters, we'd be so grateful if you could rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. Hey, word on the street is it helps people find us.